Good evening, Patriots. It's the end of Friday, April 28th in the year 2023. Really just thinking a lot today about our prayer Fridays, which are pretty amazing. And just all that that brings. And just the realization of, and of what God is giving to us is a confirmations of all the that can be done in prayer, regardless of whether we're standing next to somebody or, or not. But it's truly speaking our heart and watching miracles manifest. If you're, We're going to talk a bit about that, but if you're not part of Bended Knee on Friday, which is Prayer Friday, take a listen if you can, and if you can join us, you're really welcome to, because it's a very, very powerful event and just amazing testimonies of healing. Patriots, one thing that is for sure right now is we have to keep good focus on the resources in our home. Very much like Joseph, we have to be filling the silos and the events of crazy times, and they seem to be looming on the horizon. There's no way of knowing the future, but there is always safety we can take with the future by having proper supplies to endure. And one of those critical things is food that can last, especially in case of emergency. Patriots, anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day, the headlines get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right now. You never know when the next shoe will drop, and when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now while it's on sale. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You'll sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Patriots, no time to waste. Sovereignty begins with food security. Check it out. MyPatriotSupply.com. It's a good outfit and good good group to have part of the Bards Nation. I want to begin tonight just with uh, Matthew 5, which is literally the Sermon on the Mount. So let's read that. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So much of our 
time right now is about truth. And it's literally about placing truth before everything and walking that truth so others can see it. We are truly surrounded by liars at nearly every level. Politics by itself is defined by lies. And that's just, and that just leads to insanity upon insanity. There's an article that came up today in Zero Hedge. The headline of the article is German, <laughs> German climate idiots use new type of glue requiring jackhammer to break free. There is this psychosis that has literally settled into our world. And here's a good example. Climate activists in, in Berlin have taken their idiocy to a new level, developing a new type of glue, which, when applied to a human hand on a roadway, requires a jackhammer to remove. Members of the group Last Generation descended upon Berlin earlier this week, gluing themselves to streets all over Germany, the German capital, where they blocked roads in an effort to pressure the government to take more drastic action against climate change. So apparently they want the nuclear plants back online after they shut those off. We will no longer accept that the government has no plan to stop the destruction of our livelihoods. We are resisting now. It's kind of interesting. It's an interesting way of resistance. Glue yourself to the pavement <laughs> with a glue they can't get the pavement to release you from. So they have to jackhammer a hole in the pavement, then you're left with a hand with a piece of pavement glued to it. Not really sure what that does, to be honest. I'm still working on it. But what it does reflect is a level of insanity and a point where people are literally consumed with the true vision of the father of lies. These people truly believe the world is at its end. They believe that they're the last generation, that nothing will stop it. They have such arrogance to believe that man has caused all of this. A world that God created, a world that God can also cleanse in a second, i.e. the flood. They believe that man has caused all of this damage and that the world is spiraling into the abyss and that humankind will become extinct in one generation. What's interesting is those same fools promote transgenderism. Those same people are all about trying to live a plant-based lifestyle which promotes monoagriculture. Those same people believe in not raising animals but using lab-grown meat, which has all the possibilities and likelihood that it'll be done with stem cells from children. Many of those people even believe that eating humans is okay. Everything about that picture is wrong. Everything about that picture is so contradictory and tormented that what we're really witnessing here are souls that have been unhinged and decoupled from the rock of faith. And that's a tragedy, truly is. I, I'm not saying you can go down and sit with them and pray with them and bring Jesus to their heart, but it sure as heck wouldn't hurt. 
They're committed to destroying their bodies to save a world because they see their, themselves as doing righteous acts and they're so desperate that the only action that they see possible is to glue their hands to the pavement in such a way that the only way that they can be freed is for a jackhammer to come in and break free on that concrete as the authorities try to do so without cutting off their hand. Any other time in history, and I'm really not exaggerating what I'm going to say, any other epoch in history, they just would have come in with a machete or an axe and chopped the hand off and drug him away. But this, again, is a, is a weird place that we're at. We've There is a change in consciousness around the globe. And really, if you look at some of this, it's quite amazing how much patience and temperance humanity has gained in the last eight years. That's the part I'm remarking at most these days. This is a, he's a climate fool, whatever. Cars didn't run him over. I'm sure they wanted to. People didn't beat him up with a bat. I'm sure they wanted to. Nobody came up and chopped off his hand. I'm sure they would have liked to. And all that's legal. What I'm saying is capable, not legal, but capable within the German society. You notice how in this society here, where we've had, we have the most armed society in the world, and no matter what they do, we just don't get closer to killing each other. They can't provoke a civil war. This is the broader expansion of awareness in the world. Unfortunately, with that awareness, many lack that pivot and grounding in the relationship with Christ, the intimacy that that brings. And so we end up with distorted actions like this, where the, they glue themselves to the concrete and expect to affect change. And what a sad statement that is. Broken souls that are literally lost. If only they could witness what goes on every Friday. Here, Bards FM bended knee. And I don't mean that lightly or flippantly. We, every week, as we pray, God blesses us with something most amazing. Testimonials from the heart of those that have been impacted by prayer. Testimonials that not only confirm the miracles of prayer and the miracles of healing, but reinvigorate the entire approach in our heart as we walk in this world to get stronger in proclaiming our authorities over evil and the authority that we have and that we can declare to heal, cast out demons, and even raise the dead. All of that is a stepping stone, in my opinion, as we move forward, as we learn to work together and we learn to come together in ways many of us, most of us, have not even met. We've met by our interactions online. We've met by our voice or my voice. We've met by textual interactions, direct messages, telegram, etc. Some have gotten together. We've had one Bards Fest. But when you think about that, we've stripped away the judgment capacity that we might have in a material world. 
And we've come to a center point that's quite amazing because we are connected in one very essential way, the body of Christ. We don't have an opportunity to have prejudgments, which every one of us has them, whether you want to admit it or not. Every one of us is affected by prejudgments because that's the way this world was shaped and it's the way we were shaped, even though we fight it. We all have preconceptions of things and we tend to prejudge. And we're all as a humanity, we're trying to move through this. And just so I'm clear, I am judging the climate idiots because they're a, they're a train wreck. <laughs> I I just I keep laughing at throwing oil paint. They do too. Throwing oil paint at an oil painting to make a protest against a petroleum culture. Not sure how that works either. Still trying to rationalize the thinking. Can't get into their head as hard as I try. But it's interesting. So we have literally come to a place here in a, in a web where we're able to share ideas, share thoughts, share inspirations, share our hearts with one another. And that's truly the connection. So wouldn't it be an amazing world if we could truly see the heart of every individual? And arguably, that's exactly what I think we're heading towards. I have no question that we're at a very important bifurcation point. We can call it many things. You can call it an Exodus 2.0. You can call it bifurcation. I call it both. You can call it a split in the road. You can call it narrow path, wide gate, all effectively the same for what I'm going to talk about tonight. And that juncture is going to be extremely challenging for some, impossible for others, and, in, and freeing for another group, three groups. And for those of us that are walking with Father, we already know in our heart, we have no answers to certain problems that we face that are ahead of us. We don't have answers to money issues. We don't have answers to internet and communications issues, especially as they start to take control of that, seize control of that, and force us into their matrix. But what we do have is an amazing level of faith. Now, if you're sitting on the extreme side, on the other side, you're going to say, I can't wait. I can't wait till they biometrically scan me and put me into the system. I can't wait until we get digital currencies and every single thing is tracked. I can't wait till they give me free money and allow someone else to do my work so I can spend time each day achieving my higher self, whatever that is. That center path has a bunch of that stuff. But they get this other piece of like, I get to choose more, right? More more of the free will. But this other path is the path that steps away from it all. In the metaphor I've used here many times already is the, the place of the captain of the Lord of Host Army where we're literally standing on kingdom ground. And I think that metaphor needs to be reinforced because when we look at the, the climate fool that paced his hand to the ground, I will guarantee you I'll stand on this one. God did not say, please go out in the middle of traffic and glue your hand to the pavement with some super glue. I, that definitely was not a command. And that's living in the, in the material world, thinking that that is somehow, it's a, and it's really, like I said, it's a desperate act. And it's a sad reflection of just how desperate they feel. Either that 
or they're paid actors putting on a big show, which is not at all impossible, by the way. I just hope they got a good deposit into their debit card for gluing their hand to the asphalt, if that's the case. But when we step out on kingdom space and we're looking at the world, it's just like doing prayer on Friday. Because nothing else exists except what God is directing us to do and what our hearts are speaking of as God pushes into us. This week is the four-year anniversary for Bards FM. And this week we did 38 million downloads. And this week we are sitting here as a, a force of healing change with our Friday shows. When I started this podcast, I honestly, I was cautious about bringing faith into the podcast. I didn't want to be a, and I'll just use the term, I didn't want to be a Bible thumper. I didn't want to be a proselytizer. But and I, when I will say, before I say but, I will, I will say that I remember the first show that I started to push into that. And it was not easy because you're exposed to the world. And I've never been one to talk that way about my faith. Fast forward four years. And for those of you that are on Bended Knee, for those of you that listen to Bended Knee, you know I am 100% transparent. The Holy Spirit works through us and works through me when we talk prayers and I sob, I cry. My heart's tr my heart is transparent to where I sit and I don't try to hide it. I think there's a lot to say for that in the honesty of kingdom and the vulnerability that others perceive as strength in the space of kingdom. And so when I see these guys saying that their mission is sincere and that they're not getting paid by some CIA or Soros-funded operation to have them glue their hands to the pavement just to cause inconvenience to the public, which, like I said, is not out of the question. But even at that, we focus on their foolishness, which it is. But I have never seen a single one of these people with someone who's praying next to them and trying to pray for them in their soul. And as I reflect on this, it's it's not even something that normally I would, I mean, I, you've heard me talk about red lines, you hear me talk about dealing with these freaks and these crazies, and I'm hard on it. Because there's moments I think every one of us would like to see a Joshua and Jericho moment, to be honest with you. But taking what we see here in people that are so desperate, and there's many more of them, this is just one example tonight, that are so desperate that they're willing to literally destroy their hands. I don't know how you get this stuff off. I don't even know if they can without tearing the skin off their hands. They're willing to do all of that in a desperate act. Imagine that sort of righteous conviction if they were walking with Jesus. And that is where we get into a principle in warfare. 
mastered by special forces, a concept that they use called by, with, through. Meaning that we work together by the people, with the people, through the people, we achieve what needs to be achieved. That a small unit cannot change the world. But working with people, the people can change the world. Some of the best people we can ever find to be loud and aggressive voices for good are those that understood the worst, the bad. So as I am, and I'm sitting here right now looking at this article in Zero Hedge with lots of pictures of this foolishness, I mean, literally, these, these guys have ruined their hands. I don't know how they're going to get them off. They've even glued their fingers together. I don't know what that looks like, probably surgery or something. And yet they are so desperate. And if we could, if they were touched by Jesus and their hearts were converted and they could see through this matrix of lies that they have been convinced to believe and understand that even if the world ends, why spend the world's last moments, if that's really the case, trying to inconvenience others? Why not do something good? So let's run that scenario. Let's say they're right, which they're not, but let's say they're right. And let's say the world is on its final breath and that we have nothing left here on this earth except a little bit of time. We know that the end is, is nigh. It's all going to collapse. I'm just using their scenario. So don't, uh, I say this because invariably somebody's going to be like, that doesn't work in scripture. I'm not trying to be scriptural tonight in this moment, in this example. So bear with me, please. We're just using an example before I get all sorts of emails from everybody. And, and here's the deal. Let's just say that was the case. We knew that there's some meteor showering down on earth or there's going to be some, I don't know, massive explosion from the core of the earth or the climate is going to shift so much that everybody's going to get fried and zapped, turned into little ash heaps. I don't know. How would you want to go out? And I know how I want to go out. I want to go out with joy in my heart. I want to go out embracing this beautiful world that God gave us. I want to go out making somebody feel good during the day. I want to go out in a way of breaking bread with somebody and talking about the greatness of our lives and what God gave us. And unfortunately, these people are committed to just creating anger and agitation and making other people suffer because they themselves are so deeply wounded. June 2006. I had gotten into country in Afghanistan in May. And I was with the embedded training teams. We had mobilized out of Camp Shelby, and my mission was on. I was, I was the documentarian and daily journalist, citizen journalist, to tell the stories of this amazing mission. And it began, which was, we began an amazing year of wildness. But June of 2006, I went out to Fob Apache, 
which was out in Zabul province to the east. There I linked up with an ETT team. Embedded trainers are like combat advisors. They had small teams. At that time, two combat advisors to about 30 Afghan army soldiers. And it was a wild mission. Even when I did the train-up as a, quote, journalist, I had to go through all, re- go through all my weapons qualifications, and I was told, this is a different mission. You're out there on the frontier. And they reminded me, you were, you were a soldier. You may be a soldier again. And it was a long trip out to the east of Zabul. Didn't really know the guys yet. We got into the firebase. Finally, long day, unbelievable long day. Lots of issues. We had to stop over at one of the firebases up north, slept there, woke up. We realized that we had, it had been such a long day. We had fallen asleep in the mule pen, didn't even know it. Didn't matter. And so we went on down to this little fireplace in Carne, a little tiny spit of a village. And um, there we were inside of a compound. We hear things called a FOB, a forward operating base. This was smaller than a FOB. It's what was called a COP, a combat outpost. And it was about the size, if you could stack, if you could park side by side 10 Humvees, that was about how wide it was. Maybe a little bit more, but not much. And that began a week of crazy world. We, I saw certain things that, it just was insane. I mean, we went from, it was like right out of apocalypse now at certain points. The Afghan army at night, half the time that half the soldiers that were there in that platoon were high on opium. You had some, <laughs> there was one guy I remember walking around in the middle of this firefight, in the middle of a, of a combat zone, and he had a, a, a straight needle dangling from the front of his hat and it was right in front of his eye. And I remember Captain Tony Lonsdale pulled him over and he's like, what is this? And he explained through the interpreter that this was some old wives' tale, that he had an infection in his eye, that if he cared, if he dangled a needle in front of his eye, he would get better. That's just, I could just tell you so many stories about that. The whole type of craziness. That The one night that we're sitting there, it's dark, and this Afghan soldier comes running in fully panicked. They had just left a few minutes ago, like maybe 30 minutes ago. And he comes running back. It's actually longer than that. It had been about an hour and a half because we were getting concerned about their, their patrol. And he comes running back and he's screaming and they're, they're hurt, they're hurt. So the Staff Sergeant Eric Blake, God rest his soul, um, went he and I jumped in the Humvee and we drove out. And Tony was left back in the cop. And as we we went out to discover that these Afghans had actually tried to trade bread scraps with the local gypsy nomads, which are known as Kuchis. And in trying to get to the the Kuchi tribe, they drove into a river, dry riverbed, which was like driving off an eight foot, about a ten foot cliff, and drove the Ford Ranger straight into the ditch, into a dry riverbed, and they put their heads through the window. So as we're there trying to take care of them, we look back, and it was like 
4th of July as the Taliban opened up fire on the, on the fire base. So many stories like this. I mean, just it was just crazyville out there. And we had, this started a night of every night of fighting. And it, they would go on for two to three hours. And we were running low on supplies and supplies weren't coming in. And it was Thursday night, as I recall, when I looked over at Tony and he had, we had been a long night of firefight and he had got on the sat phone. And I looked at him, he's in the middle of this combat outpost and he, I came up to him and I said, what's going on? He says, not good. I said, how not good? How bad? He says, I don't think we're going to get a resupply for tomorrow. And we already knew that this Taliban force was coming in in big time. So some stuff happened. I mean, I I actually made a choice at that point in time that regardless of what the consequences were, I was going to make a do the right thing. And I called a ranger buddy of mine back home who ended up calling the general, who ended up calling the Pentagon war desk, who ended up freaking out because we didn't have ammo. And they called Kabul, and Kabul called Kandahar, and Kandahar got their tail chewed out because we had we were short on ammo which Kandahar was upset about because nobody likes to be ex- be exposed for not doing their job, et cetera, et cetera. That all happened in the next 18 hours, which we had no idea about, all from the phone call I made. But all that is just kind of setting up to the point of where I'm getting to. We woke up the next morning, and after about three hours of sleep, this is kind of like one of these wretched sleep environments. We slept, three of us slept side by side in one room. And we, because of the nature of the environment, you could never get undressed. You always had to have your boots at the ready and have your socks on. Let me tell you, stuff gets pretty odiferous would be the term for that one. And so we, um, we got to a place where the next day, we started, we broke up into teams. Eric trained the Afghans because we didn't have much ammo. We were what was called black on ammo. And Eric was teaching the Afghans how to control their ammo by doing what's called talking guns verbally. So he was teaching them to go tat, tat, tat and learn how to have trigger control. I was out and about on the outside of the firebase building, reinforcing the compound because we had a bunch of broken and easy entry points and we had been seeing the Taliban come in all day. Tony was in setting up a temporary medical facility and making targeting points for aerial support in the event that we actually got air support, which we weren't sure. In the meantime, the Taliban were sending runners to our gate to tell us that they knew who was in there and that they had put a bounty on each of our heads. And we made a full plan to what's called an exfil plan. We had already expected that most of the Afghans, they told us, in fact, about 25 of the Afghans were going to flee at least. And so we prepared for to be overrun by the Taliban that night. All of these things set a condition that I'd never, I, not, I don't know that anybody's, that many people go through a situation like this. And I'm not, boasting, but I'm trying to get to a point here that I think is important. 
And so we had prepared to literally exfil by land and to fight our way up the mountain and then have hopefully be able to have a radio to have me if it got that bad to where we could be picked up by air support or at least fight our way back to one of the bases, which was not short as we're talking probably 10 hours of good footwork. And so it came time for dinner. And the thing that always stood out to me is the Afghans knew how bad it was. Their XO had driven down from the firebase, the American firebase. When we couldn't get support, the Afghan XO rented a local taxi driver in a VW bus, and he drove down through Taliban country to bring his soldiers ammo and a water buffalo that was tied to the top of the of the van. And for the Afghans, I had to sit back and just admire this because it's a real warrior culture. And as we're kind of processing all the potentialities and looking at all the variables, they're playing soccer, baking bread, and roasting water buffalo. And it was good for us. One of my best memories, Blake committed suicide in 2012, but it's a great memory I have of him. We each got our plate full of food, some fresh naan, some boiled rice, and some roasted meat water buffalo over an open fire. And we put our trays on the front of the Humvee, and we called it our last supper. When you get to a point where you really don't think you're going to make it, you find a certain release from the bondage of this world. We had a great dinner. We laughed. We talked about stuff, joked about it. We watched the Afghans play soccer. We watched them enjoy the moment. And we released ourselves from the fear, the the ankle bracelet of physical world. We finished dinner and I went and recorded a message home for my parents. So I'd have it on tape and put it in a secure place. And each of the guys wrote a letter home. We didn't expect to come home. And I don't say that lightly. Okay. We can talk about that. You People can tell you that like, oh, it was bad. No, this was different. We had no communication. We had no reports that anything was coming. We saw literally several hundred Taliban move into the area. We knew that the fight was on. We were short on ammo, but fierce on our righteousness and our fight. And we just didn't know if we were going to come home. And in that moment, which is so amazing, is we were freed. And in being freed, we were able to literally just enjoy the moment, to live truly in the moment. Now, obviously, we came home. Obviously, we got through it. We ended up getting reinforcements at the very last minute of this thing, literally, as the Taliban were about ready to launch their fight. But the story I'm getting to here is we live so much in the physical world, And we live so much by the dictation of things that aren't even on the terms in which we live by or God wants us to live by. They're dictated by these elites, these fools that run this world. 
in the true sense of the warrior culture, which I admire a lot about Afghanistan, is they're fearless in so much of this because they've already accepted. I mean, and and I'm not advocating this acceptance, but my point is for them, it's a very simple thing. If they die, they go to they go to their ha- heaven with their God, and they celebrate with ninety nine virgins or whatever the heck it is. And that number is not fixed, by the way, and it's not even true, but it's what they say. But they have a contentment in their heart to just release themselves because in their world things are always struggle. It's always a trial, and they just they let themselves to a large degree, especially in the warrior culture, just be free. Even though. When the fight comes, they usually run and hide. That's another subject. I look at these folks when I see them glue their hands to the ground. I look at these people that are truly believe that the world's going to end and they want to do something to save it. I admire their heart because they're passionate. If they're for real, like I said, then they're passionate about something. But I pity their soul. Because they don't understand how much they've been played and how much they're bound to a material world and how fierce they could be if they would just accept Jesus. They would be freed from the nonsense, and yet the righteousness of their heart would be bold and mighty. Just some words and thoughts for tonight is the, are this. In this time when there's so much insanity going on, and there's a lot. In this time when everything is getting turned on its head almost daily or second by second to some some point, the center point in our love in Christ gives us a footing on the rock of faith that is a strength that releases us from the bondages of this world. You don't have to go to Afghanistan and have the Taliban nearly run over you to know that. Maybe it takes that to free you, but I hope not. Those are amazing times. They're also laden with a lot of pain for me. Because the ultimate cost of that time was an accumulated effect where Eric Blake took his life. And that still hurts to this day. He was an amazing, amazing soldier and a dear friend. We have a lot of children out here that are so desperate that they feel they have to take their life because there's no other way. There's one thing that I wish I could have done was to get to Eric in a deeper way. And we could have talked about Jesus. There's a lot of people out here that are wounded. There's evil, and I've made it very clear and I will always say it. There is evil that does not belong on this earth. And they need to go. But there's a whole ton of people out here that are just broken and hurt. Tossed around in this matrix of stupidity like a cat thrown into a dryer. And they're acting like it. And the thing is, what they really need is just somebody to pray with them. To the Afghans' credit, even before the fight started, they'd pray. 
We need to pray more. We need to pray for one another more. We need to remind ourselves of what happens every Friday on this channel. That God is showing us something incredible, amazing. That we can heal each other. We can heal people that seek healing and prayer. And when people are coming to us, we don't know necessarily with a screen name or whatever we know of them, we have no idea whether they've accepted Christ or not. Baby Dakota that is now being held by her grandmother for the first time since she was born, she was a preemie. We've prayed for her almost every week. For the last couple of weeks, I think we've prayed for her. The ventilator has now been changed. She has a smaller, more adaptive ventilator. Her lungs are growing. And for the first time in the, last, in the last day or so, she was able to be held by her mother and her grandmother. That's God healing. Baby Dakota hasn't accepted Jesus yet in our formal way, but baby Dakota is blessed as a child of God. And so I say these things because what we're learning is that in this process is that the process of healing itself can be the transformational moment. I'm sitting here looking at this guy's hand glued to a piece of asphalt. I can mock him, but I also pity him. What a sad statement. And what an unfortunate event that has happened at that desperate moment he's had to literally sacrifice something that God gave him, his hand. Imagine what it would might have been had someone taken time to get out of their car, walk over with a Bible, kneel down, and just pray with him. Where would he be today? Where would Eric Blake be today? if Tony and I had did the same thing. Even soldiers can be broken by the system and the whispers of the devil. We have to remember that because it's what makes us greater than them. A warrior has to walk with the balance line between having a passionate and vulnerable heart to the, those that suffer but you have to equally be mighty in battle to destroy the enemy ruthlessly that wages war on the innocent and the unsuspecting. It's not an easy walk. But that's why we're here. And that's ultimately, to me, one of our greatest callings. The Bible is an amazing book for me. Take this as you wish. It is a field manual. It is God's field manual for how to win this war and how to unite in the body of Christ. It's a profound text. It has abilities to do incredible things. It's given us authorities to do things greater than most can even imagine. And on our little hour and a half every Friday, God is acknowledging our willingness to declare healing our willingness to risk vulnerability in prayer, and he's rewarding it with the testimonies every week of the power of the miracles 
and authorities which he's given us. Let's pray. Father God, just want to thank you for these times we have humbled and blessed. From a personal point, Father, I don't know what has happened or what happened to Eric. My heart still hurts for that loss. Bless his soul. He was an amazing soldier. And it's such a tragedy, even in this day, to reflect on the loss that we had with him. In whatever form, whether people know him or not, may they be inspired by the soldier that committed so much and gave so much in a fight that we thought we'd never win. Blessed are the moments where we have to face our mortality and realize the greatness of who we are within. Blessed are the moments when we have to look into the darkness and laugh and find joy. Blessed are the moments where we realize how much you strengthen us through the furnace of refinement in the challenges of life that seem impossible to overcome at the time and yet we succeed. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these blessings. May we continue to remember the power of the authorities given to us. May we continue to reflect with clear eyes the number of souls that are broken and wandering that need to hear the word of Jesus. Not to proselytize, not even to baptize, just to share the love of Christ, to give them strength, and to send them on a journey to pursue that love that's so overwhelming and so magnificent. May we walk that path, be shown those opportunities, and may we hear your voice to respond to them. Thank you. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, patriots, hope you all have a very blessed weekend. I'm going to be in the garden today or tomorrow and the next day. We've got good weather. We had a sudden shift in weather, in fact. We went from about 50 degrees to 90 today. Incredible. Tomorrow we're down to 80s, and then we have a whole week of 60s. So it's a good time to get all the seedlings in. The beds have been prepared, and it's time to get busy sowing seeds. We're in a time that we need to continue to pursue that path that leads us to a separation from the dependency on the system that develops the bounties that we can share with one another and has us truly experience the beauty and glory of what God gives us in the infinite wealth of the garden. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you Sunday night for Peace Be Still. Have a blessed weekend. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. 